welcome to the little cerebral and we're going to continue to talk about intellectual disability from the viewpoint of more uh, occupational therapy and what how you approach intellectual disabilities compared to you know disabilities or diagnoses that are um, more around processing issues like sensory processing disorder autism just developmental delay um, diagnoses like that so um, I'm oh, sorry. hi Claire Hem, hem. <laughs> I just noticed you haven't said a thing about my new glasses. Oh, did I not? Okay, Claire is wearing these very hip glasses. I, you know what? That's so funny. This is where like my social inabilities come in because I was like in my head, I was like, oh, those are really cool glasses, but I never said it out loud. And then I assume I, that I said it. I might, maybe I'm offended that you didn't say thank you, <laughs> even though I never said it out loud. <laughs> no, very cool glasses. Those are really cool. You look I, very professional. Thanks. I'm totally just fucking with you. I don't care if you notice my glasses or not. Oh, Matthew. <laughs> I definitely did notice them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Very hip. Very hip. Um, so, yeah. Okay. So, the difference when you approach it from a therapy point of view is really ultimately, we want for, ultimately what we want for all of our kids is for them to be able to live their best lives. And a lot of times how we do that with children who are have a developmental delay or have something that they're struggling with is we try to change how their brain processes information. And that goes from you know, the regulation standpoint where you're trying to get information to process more efficiently through the brainstem and then up through the midbrain and then into the cortex. And when you have children who have diagnoses of like sensory processing disorder, developmental delay, um, dyslexia, things like that, it is often assumed that all of the brain structures are intact. So every part of the brain is able to communicate with all the other parts of the brain is able to communicate with the rest of the nervous system. There's nothing impeding or impinging upon communication between all of the areas. So everything has the potential or the ability to function as effectively as it should or could. Now, with an intellectual disability, and again, we kind of touched on this last time, but you really do need to talk to uh, like a neurologist or you need to do additional testing to, to really determine this. But oftentimes with an intellectual disability, there can be a structural uh, you know, difference in the brain that can impinge or impede communication between the different parts of the brain and then also from the brain to the nervous system. And that can be difficult because from a therapy standpoint, you might not be able to change the brain as you would be able to with just like a processing issue. And although you can try, oftentimes the approach is a bit different. So when you have a child who has sensory processing disorder, the approach is you do therapy until the brain, the child's brain and central nervous system is able to communicate independently um, by itself as efficiently as possible. Now with an intellectual disability, the structural point of view could be that you can do therapy. Hold on one second. Todd, are you going to be in here right now? Because I'm recording something. Uh, so like, okay. Todd, welcome to our podcast. Yeah. Todd, welcome to our podcast. I just told you I was recording a podcast because you're going to go upstairs. <laughs> do you want to be a guest? Okay. Good. Like, what do you think I'm doing? You think I'm just like talking about sensory processing sort of for the hell of it? To myself. <laughs> just to keep <laughs> myself sharp. <laughs> you know how people look in the mirror and they like, there's like a joke about doing positive self-talk in the mirror. Like, what if you just, instead of a mirror, because it's like modern times, you used your phone and every day you just like gave yourself <laughs> 
<laughs> but I just like quizzed myself <laughs> to make sure I'm on my game. Okay, I'm gonna. <laughs> well, this assumes that that's what I'm doing. <laughs> oh my god. god. <laughs> oh, okay. So that happened. Now, like I was saying, with an intellectual disability, you can't assume or you'll have testing done that will show that not all the structures of the brain are intact or they're communicating properly. And perhaps they are, right? Um, but when you have an intellectual disability, you can't assume that the brain is going to change and make a permanent change. And so for like I, I was about to say, you know, for a child who has just a processing issue, again, you do the therapy so that they can then process information independently and then build upon those skills so that they're independent. With an intellectual disability, if the brain structures aren't intact, you can do the therapy like you can do the things and the activities that help with, for example, regulation. So processing um, efficiency at the level of the brainstem. But once you stop that, it may not stick. So you might not get a permanent change. So basically, with an intellectual disability, you might have to continuously do therapy. Keeping that in mind, if your child has an intellectual disability, you know, it's up to the parent to pursue further testing in terms of going to a neurologist or not. And um, I think the benefits of going to see a neurologist are that you would be able to determine whether all the parts of the brain are intact. So your, your approach with therapy, like, when you're taking your child to occupational therapy or speech therapy or anything, you know whether there's a really good chance that the child's brain can change permanently, like rewire permanently, or that the brain will have difficulty doing that. So you'll have to do continuous therapy because in that case, it's more if your the brain is unable to change or rewire. And that's not to say that it, you won't make any progress. It's not to determine anything, really. It's just to keep in mind, like... Um, but that approach might be more remedial versus like, I want to get my child to here to this level and then have them be independent versus like, let's get them, them to this level. And then we might be able to maintain it with this amount of therapy service. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, I was just thinking about like, could you define when you say, when you say structures intact, can you define what you mean by that? Yeah. So that's all of the different parts of the brain that need to work together to be able to process the information that comes in through the brainstem, making sure the brainstem is talking to the midbrain, is talking to the cortex. And then you have all of these parts within that, like the cerebellum, you have um, you know, all of the parts that involve like the vestibular system, all of the parts that involve like language, all of those parts to make sure that they are all, and by intact, I mean that they're like present, they're able to communicate. You know, if there's damage to one of those parts, of the brain, then, you know, you either, the brain either has to rewire kind of like around that area or find a different approach. Um, but like, as far as I have been told, you know, they haven't figured out that the brain can rejuvenate those damaged areas and perhaps they can. I mean, I'm always a firm believer in like neuroplasticity and it's not to say that you can't rewire the brain like around a part that's damaged. But essentially by intact, it means that all of the parts of the brain that need to communicate with each other uh, can. Okay. So yeah, I just wanted to make sure that we were clear about that. Cause like, I mean, cause it could sound as though you're talking about like, there's an, there's an injury to a part of the brain, which there could be, right? I mean, I mean, you could have that 
uh, um, and we're talking about intellectual disability broadly, but maybe there was something that happened, right? An injury to a particular part of the brain because of a brain injury, right? Okay. Right. But it's when you're saying intact, you're not talking about a particular structure. Like what you're talking about is in the circuitry, like the communication, the wiring between neurons in specific parts of the brain and how that communication happens. Correct? Yes. But I mean, that being said, if you do have a diagnosis of like fetal alcohol syndrome or a traumatic brain injury, then within that diagnosis, it it can imply that, you know, part of the brain does have some structural damage. And when you have structural damage within the brain, then it's also implied that the neurons, like how they're connected to each other and communicating with each other is also going to be impacted by that. Um, A lot of times I'll see children who have an intellectual disability but there's no further diagnosis and there's no indication of a structure of structural damage. But at the same time, it's very challenging to make progress. Um, and like, I don't, I don't know why it just, and it, it could be that maybe, you know, part of the brain, you know, the circuitry isn't there between two parts. I really don't know, but I've found that for children who have an intellectual disability and there's, you know, no indication or nothing's been found that parts of the brain are damaged, that there still seems to be difficulty making progress and, and maintaining that independent level. And this could be like a child who's been, you know, trying to read for 12 years and still hasn't been able, like is still unable to read. Um, and that's a very specific skill. But even in terms of regulation, you might find that you can do all these activities or you have this program you do with your child, they're able to regulate. But as soon as you don't do it consistently, then the child becomes dysregulated again. And that can happen over like a number of years. Yeah. I mean, we talk about, yeah, I just wanted to be, so I guess, let me back up. So number one, I just wanted to be clear that we weren't talking, we weren't trying to imply that intellectual disability was due to damage to the brain. That, that can no, be a part it's of it very broad. The- it's very broad. But yeah, but that yes. we're speaking about it broadly and broadly, we don't, we're, we're not saying that there's damage to the brain. There may be in specific circumstances, but that's not, but damage to the brain is not what intellectual disability when we're speaking broadly means. And then the second no. thing I was going to say is like, yeah, when, when you look at, um, so when kids who have, so we remember we use the word identify for special education and schools, and we use the word diagnosis for medical, and medical includes um, any sort of provider, including a psychologist. It doesn't mean that you have a quote-unquote medical degree. It just means you're practicing in a medical capacity, right? Like something that um, is, is licensed and regulated differently. Um, So when kids are identified as having an intellectual disability in the schools, um, a lot of times we talk about something called um, ESY or um, extended school year. And we talk about, you know, what, what makes that necessary. And usually there has to be a documentation that kids regress because a lot of kids with intellectual disabilities, and I'm not saying all, but a lot will lose the information over the summer that they had learned previously because they're not getting those consistent services. So I guess I'm just backing up what you're saying. I'm just saying, oh yes, yeah. we speak about that in the schools um, from an academic perspective. Um, and that would be consistent with what you're talking about with um, sensory 
um, right. treatment for sensory issues. Sorry, I just accidentally kicked my dog. That's why I, no. on accident. <laughs> I forgot she was down here. <laughs> but I think that's why, like, as a parent, it can be helpful so that when you are going into an occupational therapy setting to get those services that you can say, like, you know, I know that my child has an intellectual disability, like here's where I want them to be. I also know that consistency of services really does make an impact. So how can we build this in a way where they're getting consistent services so we can maintain this level or grow to whatever level we want and then plan ahead for how we're gonna continue these services so that those skills are not lost. So it's always better to advocate and know as much as you can going in as a parent versus like kind of waiting for the therapist to tell you because, you know, they may or may not um, just be thinking of that, you know, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, and I, th I think the same thing is true. I mean, I've heard of, I have to, I have to be thoughtful about how I say this, um, just because I want to make sure I'm not violating confidentiality. I've heard, this was not a client of mine. I just, I heard of a case where, um, and it wasn't like, wow, I heard of this extreme case that was so unusual. It's just something that I remember hearing about recently with a speech therapist who had seen a client um, who is, they're still seeing the client who is now an adult, but they'd seen them continuously since childhood. Um, because again, it gets back to that without that, that um, the continuous services that people mm -hmm. will, I mean, and, and it doesn't, <laughs> that people will make are that they will regress. And it doesn't mean that that person would go back to having no language. It just means that in order to keep that progress going, um, that's what they need to do. And, and I think that, um, so we've talked a little bit about community centered boards, which are the places by, you know, county by county that provide services. And there's, you know, the Medicaid waiver um, and there's um, lots of other just different programs that help families. And I think this is why, right? Because there's this recognition that this isn't going to be like, you know, a few months of therapy or a year of therapy. And when I say therapy, I mean like speech therapy or OT. And then, you know, everybody will get what they need and the families will have the skills they need to help, um, you know, make changes and then maintain those changes. Like really there's a recognition right. that it needs to be ongoing services. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's from a therapy point of view, how to kind of think about it, I guess. Yeah. Cool. That was really helpful for me as a parent. I, I mean, just, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like even though professionally I've been in this world for a while, it's a completely different um, experience when you're the parent. And yeah. I, 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 like, I feel like I'm, even though I know some of this stuff, I'm relearning things because I have to learn it from another perspective. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I have to say for me personally, and I think this is, you know, obviously very individual, individual. I talked about in the last episode, like how, you know, it's hard to process and all of that. And that I was frustrated and what I wasn't frustrated about what the, the thing I was frustrated about was not the disability. It was just the amount of advocacy I was having to do to get my son what he needed. And I didn't necessarily mean, well, part of it was school, but I always felt like his team was on our side and like we were all on the same team, you know, like that's not what I mean. I just mean, it's just exhausting because you're constantly trying to figure out, okay, what do they need? And then they need this and then I have to do this and then this. And um, I think that that 
can be, like I said, really draining for parents. But on the other hand, I do think that there's this piece where you know something's not right. You know that what you're doing isn't sufficient. And so sometimes I think, like at least for me, when I realized for sure what was happening, there was this also this big sense of relief. Like, okay, now I know what to do. Um, and we're not totally out of the woods yet because I, I am getting him evaluated for autism because he's had, like I've mentioned, he's had some pretty significant um, characteristics of autism. There was just that, you know, the, the, that the social interactions never looked quite like they met criteria. And then I had to like take a step back as a parent and say, yeah, but how much accommodating am I doing on an everyday basis? Right? Like I'm not seeing this because I, I can read him and I know <laughs> this. And then once yeah. his language really started improving, which has been like the last year, I started seeing a lot more scripted speech, like a lot more. And so now I'm like, okay, yeah, I definitely doesn't mean he has autism, but there's enough red flags that I'm like, yeah, he needs to be evaluated. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and, and we're looking at other things as well, including um, some genetic syndromes that could be impacting. Them. So we're still not right. out of the woods because we have our um, evaluation at um, a hospital for children that I won't identify the name of because I think I want to talk. <laughs> you can yeah. refer all you want. But um, <laughs> call it a hospital for children. some children's hospital. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not saying it's a children's hospital. I'm saying it's a hospital for children mm. that exists and called right. Because I was a little too <laughs> presumptuous. <laughs> Let's please not assume things. Um, okay, sorry. Because I, I don't want <laughs> to um, necessarily identify specifically legally where he's being evaluated because I also want to talk about um, the process will be really interesting from a parent point of view. The cost, Mm -hmm. like I, my son was evaluated for three hours and I know, no, sorry, two and a half. I know what the reimbursement rate is for me using those exact same procedure codes and I would say, sorry, no, I shouldn't say me. I should say my practice because I never get to keep all the money <laughs> like yeah. you know, with overhead taxes, right? Like I don't, yeah, it's a lot less. But um, I would say like the overhead or like I think the reimbursement rate for my practice would be something like, I think I said 280 total. And that might be a little high because um, I had to look it up for the exact same insurance company that I accept insurance from. And there's the same insurance company that we have. and for this hospital that serves children, the rate, they have a different negotiated rate, 780 something dollars for two and a half hours. Yeah. And we have a whole half a day of testing at least plus report writing plus genetic testing. Um, I'm pretty sure we're going to meet our $4,000 deductible pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, oh my so gosh. They have a different contracted rate because they're a hospital. So I uh, was pretty frustrated, yet um, trying to be kind of understanding. At least you don't have your resting bitch face anymore. (laughs) Oh, can we call it resting bitch face if I look like I'm smiling inappropriately? Um, (laughs) Resting inappropriately. Um, (laughs) Inappropriate smile. Inappropriate smile face. Uh, I'm going to have to make sure I'm really like 
trying to like channel my inner anger so that I at least get to the neutral <laughs> when I'm doing therapy. Um, so what I was going to say is that made me think like, okay, I spend, it, it's a little frustrating that I'm going to have to pay that much. On the other hand, I like spend all this time trying to find other ways to save money, except for yeah. things like Botox for resting bitch face. Um, but I try to find all these other ways to save money. I mean, and especially when it comes to medical costs, because I mean, like potentially if we weren't doing some of the things we were doing, it would be unbelievable how much money we'd be paying for medication and everything. Yeah. And I was thinking we should do an episode on ways to save money because I bet there are tons of families out there that have like little ideas or tricks that they use. I have some things that I know about that are really helpful. Um, and I think have been helpful to even some of the families I've worked with when I've suggested stuff like good mm -hmm. RX, for example. And then I was thinking, what if we asked people to Facebook message us at a little cerebral, or the, should they email us a little cerebral at gmail.com? Yeah, we probably email. Is that, is that our email address? I think that's our. <laughs> I, think that's... I think it's a little at gmail.com. I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. I probably need to check that more. Um, yeah. So I will, now that I know we're, you know, we're requesting this, um, I'm just going to ask people to maybe send ideas for how they save money from medical costs because this can get really expensive for families. And I have some of my yeah. ideas and I thought, Maybe with some of that and some of the stuff I know, and I can ask around like with some other professionals that I know, um, maybe with all of that information, we could have an episode on like cost savings because I think sure. that's really important for people. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Okay. Yeah. So maybe like in six weeks when we record our next episode, realistically, <laughs> now I know we'll do it before then, but it could be six weeks. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> It'll be between two and six weeks from now. It's between two and six weeks, plus or minus a year. <laughs> plus, a year. we can't really do minus a year. <laughs> Just plus, plus a year. Minus a year. <laughs> oh, minus. That won't work. Just minus. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. Just yeah, plus. That'd be great. Yeah. Submit to email, and then um, we'll talk about it. Well, let's do our next episode on that. That'll be great. What? Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. Well, you know. See you later. All right. Well, thanks for chatting. Yeah. Thanks for admiring my glasses. And then a lot. You're so me. welcome. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye.